The Beers and Ears podcast is brought to you by Magical Memories by Casey. That's right, your favorite podcast host is now an authorized vacation planner. Are you looking to plan your next trip to Walt Disney World, Disneyland, Universal Orlando, or even Hollywood? Disney Cruise Line, Alani by Disney, or Adventures by Disney? Then look no further. Now, planning with an authorized planner through an earmarked agency like Main Street and More Travel costs you nothing extra, but you gain years of experience with someone who has helped others with their magical trips. Amy, I know I've helped uh, you plan your first, well, not your first trip, your second trip you got to do, and then a second, the trip after that, right? Yes, absolutely. It's fabulous. <laughs> so, you know, I oftentimes get asked, when is the right time to start planning? Honestly, there is no wrong time to start planning, but planning about six months out gives you plenty of time to plan those special extras. And really, the perfect time is always right now. So, you can reach out to me at CaseyWilly at MainStreetMoreTravel.com or head over to sourcefornetwork.com and fill out the initial interest form, or just find me on Facebook and like uh, facebook.com slash magicalcasey. Uh, if you have any friends or family who are planning, please let them know too. Trust me, you know me, so why not book your next magical memory with me? And I gotta say, there are some amazing deals out for 2023. Uh, spring and early summer, they've got up to 25% off. From um, June through, sorry, July through September, they've got up to $750 in dining credits, which is pretty amazing. Uh, if you're a Disney Visa card holder, you can get some discounts off. It's really a great, a great time to go. And if you're looking to go on the Galactic Star Cruiser and add on a couple of extra nights at Walt Disney World beyond that, you can get a really great deal as well. So uh, definitely hit me up. Uh, visit MainStreetAndMoreTravel.com if you want to learn more about the agency or just email me or you can even just email beers and ears 1928 at gmail.com. All right, let's get started with the show. Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into the Beers and Airs podcast. This is Casey, and normally this would be the part where Matt says, hey, this is Matt. Uh, last week, we didn't have a show because I was under the weather. You can probably still hear it in my voice. Uh, this week, we're, we're having a show. Matt's not here. He's actually down in Florida. Talk about role reversal. The last couple of times, it's been me in Florida. So I have asked on our fairy pod mother, the, the one and only Miss Amy Birchman, to come on and join us on today's show. Hi, Amy. Hi, Casey. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to have you back. It's been a minute. I, I want to say maybe the last time you were here was our, our two-year anniversary show. Um, last I March, think maybe? That, I think that might have <clears throat> been. It has been a while, and I need to um, get some more episodes under my belt to keep my fairy pod mother ranking. <laughs> well, I don't, to be in, in fairness, though, I don't think we've had any guest on since that show i think it's just really been matt and i uh, i think matt had when i when i wasn't here matt had a guest on i think once or twice but in terms of like the two of us having a guest on we've not done it and we're coming up on our three-year anniversary it's hard to believe in probably about two months here so less than two months it's kind of crazy so um but here's what we're going to do today. So Matt's down in Florida. He's actually getting to enjoy the parks for one day. But hey, one day is better than no days, right? Um, what I want to talk about today, and the reason why I wanted to bring you on, um, is I was listening to an episode of a, a, another podcast called WDW Opinion. It's got my friend Connor Brown, who I met at Momentum. Um, and he he's a huge Disney geek like the rest of us. And he... Um, 
He runs a VIP service and does all this stuff. He's a travel planner like me. But he had a really awesome episode that I thought would be really fun to bring to our listeners. And that was this idea of what is the future landscape of the theme park? And his premise was simply this. Universal Studios has announced some major, like, the way he phrased it was this. You know, you get announcements from theme parks you know, throughout the, you know, throughout every year. And usually they're small little things. Maybe it's a new, it's a new food or a new entertainment option. Sometimes it's a new attraction. Cool. When it's a big announcement, it's like a new land. When it's a major announcement, it's like a new park. When it's like a, like gigantic, um, like never before heard of announcement, it's a new park in a new city. Well, Universal hit all of that in the last like three weeks. And he had his theory that, some of these announcements that Universal has made is going to set Disney up into a very defensive position, potentially changing the landscape of the Universal versus Disney war, if you will, the, 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 the battle for who, who is going to have the most loyal guest. And as I was thinking about this, Amy, the reason why I wanted to bring you on is while you are not necessarily loyal to a Disney park, you have grown up Disney your entire life. Yeah. So let's start there before we even get into this. Remind the listeners, remind me, kind of where your love, your affinity for all things Disney, Star Wars, Marvel, Pixar, whatever, came from. Like, how long has that been in your blood? As long as I can remember. My grandmother's birthday, she shares with Mickey. Several years after Mickey, but she shares with Mickey. So she's okay. always been, Mickey's been a part of my life since I can remember because my grandmother's a huge Mickey fan. She has Mickey paraphernalia um, sporadically throughout the house. Um, just the movies. I mean, I still remember going to the movie theater and seeing Oliver and Company when it first came out. Um Star Wars, my mom and dad were both kind of uh, sci-fi nerds in a little way. So Star Wars was one of those things that was introduced to me very young as well. So it's just, I I enjoy um, fantasy worlds. I enjoy sci-fi fantasy in general. So Disney has always been that for me with all of the encompassing items that they provide. It's just something I can't remember when it started. So my whole life. <laughs> And here's what I find fascinating. So you are a loyal Disney supporter, yet when you planned your very first trip down there, it wasn't just Disney. You also wanted to make sure that you got Harry Potter in and that you got Harry Potter World. And at the time, if I'm not mistaken, I, I want to say it was just Hogsmeade. I don't think the other one had been built yet, or maybe it had. I can't remember. Were both sides built? Yeah, both sides were built. Okay, um, so you wanted to make sure that was part of your trip. Can you talk a little bit about why you wanted to do that? What was your thinking there? Because, again, you had not grown up loyal to Disney parks, per se. So you made this all-encompassing. What was the idea behind that? That also goes back to my love of fantasy. Um, Harry Potter, I discovered as an adult, read all the books. I'm not really... Um, a huge supporter of the movies per se, but the books are amazing mm -hmm. to me. I love that whole world. My sister and I took my niece and nephew and we told the children at that time, we will have one day for just Aunt Amy and mom. 
and we will be going to Universal and we will only be dedicating our day to Harry Potter. It was purely Harry Potter. It had nothing to do with anything else in Universal. Um, I'm a plus size person, so Universal is not super yes. friendly. So Agreed. it was about the whole seeing it in person and seeing how they did the details. And honestly, they did it fabulously. Yeah, um, I loved absolutely. it. But and I had I had heard a um, I had heard a stat uh, about Harry Potter when when they made the decision to build Harry Potter when the CEO at the time made that decision he he saw the potential there and that's what I want to start to get into but in one year alone they made that first year second year they made a hundred million dollars off of the sale of butterbeer alone Butterbeer is delicious. <laughs> butterbeer is absolutely delicious. <laughs> I enjoy the frozen butterbeer myself, but, uh, you know, maybe we should call this the Butterbeers and Ears podcast. That would be good. <laughs> okay, so here, here's what I want you to think about. So I want to run down the list real quick of all of the announcements that have been made um, recently between Disney and Universal. And, and and I want you, Amy, to kind of put your objective cap on. And I want you to tell me which of the two companies, which of the two brands sounds more exciting based on the announcements that have been made? Okay. So I'm going to start with Disney. So Disney officially, as of today, today's the 28th, or maybe it was yesterday, they officially um, opened the Mickey and Minnie Runaways, Runaway Railway inside Disneyland. Uh, which is a basically a clone of the one inside Hollywood Studios. It's got two more scenes, a different entrance area, but they've opened that. So they announced that about a year ago. They've officially opened it up. And then coming in March, they are reopening Mickey's Toontown area, which is basically a refurbished Toontown that closed a couple of years ago. It's kind of where you could go see Mickey's house and Donald's house or Boat and Goofy's house, things like that. Um, Disney just opened Guardians of the Galaxy last year. That's still pretty popular. Um, Disney is finally going to be opening Tron Light Cycle Run uh, in March, uh, or I'm sorry, April 4th, actually, uh, 404, which I just, someone told me is like the error 404 on the computer. It's 404, which I think <laughs> is clever. Um, so that's going to be open. That is a much anticipated ride. It has taken Disney five years to build that ride. Five years. Uh, the Disneyland or the Walt Disney World Railroad is officially opened back up after five years of being closed down. Um, and that's it. They've got their 100th anniversary going on. They're bringing back um, uh, Happily Ever After to the Magic Kingdom. They're bringing back Epcot Forever to replace the two shows that they brought in for the 50th that basically flopped. Um that's it. There, there's there's nothing really else on the horizon at the moment with Disney. Epcot's got a lot of construction going on. At some point in the future, uh, there is going to be a new Moana walkthrough attraction, I guess, the World of Water or something like that. They're saying the Tree of Life might have a um, Way of the Water Avatar show at some point happening on it, but nothing really official they made some changes around the edges about how what, what what Genie Plus allows and things like that, but that's that's it. <laughs> that's all we got. Now, contrast that with Universal Studios. Universal Studios 
has started its media previews of Super Nintendo World at Universal Studios Hollywood, a completely brand new land. Um, this also opened in Tokyo Universal Studios last year with two rides. There's the um, uh, the Mario Kart ride, basically Bowser's Challenge, and there's a Yoshi ride, more like a family-friendly ride. The one in Hollywood, a little bit more limited in space, so they've only got the one ride, the Mario Kart ride. But you can also buy power bands, and apparently the land itself is like a an attraction, right? And you can do power-ups and find coins, and it's a game within a game, and there's leaderboards, and there's all this new food. It's a completely new experience. So that just opened, or it will be officially opening, I think, in March, but the, the previews are going on right now. They've also got, coming up, Epic Universe, which is a completely brand new theme park coming to Universal Orlando in 2025. Brand new theme park, a whole new theme park. It will be their, they call it their fourth theme park. It's really their third theme park because Volcano Bay, while they call that a theme park, it's a water park. But that will now put them at four different experiences that you can have in Orlando just like Walt Disney World, four different experiences that you can have with on-site hotels. They've got enough land to build two more theme parks if they wanted to, plus another water park if they wanted to, and tons of more resort hotels all in the same space they've got for this. The rumor is that while we don't have anything official yet in terms of what's going into that land, it's a sure bet that Super Mario World or Super Nintendo World will be one of the lands, right? Think of all the other properties that Universal Studios owns. Illumination, i.e. Minions, Trolls, right? Uh, I think the Dragon, that How to Train Your Dragon is part of that. There's all these things, all these properties that kids, Gen Z, has grown up with and younger have grown up with that they have control over, all these IPs that people know, right? Back when Universal Studios first opened, they were kind of using other people's IPs and they kind of continued along with that. Harry Potter is a great example of that. They don't own the Harry Potter IP, but they own it for theme park purposes. On top of that, they announced another theme park, Amy, another theme park, this time not in Orlando, not in Hollywood, but in the Fort Worth, uh, Fort Worth, Dallas area, uh, that is going to be about 95 acres. It's going to be themed to family-friendly type attractions, i.e., think Magic Kingdom. Like, Ooh. you know, Universal Studios is oftentimes more known for like the thrilling type rides. That's not what this is going to be. This is going to be more family-friendly. Friendly. Think earlier than preteen, right? So now. You've got another uh, theme park that's announced. They, I think they don't have an official date yet, but we're thinking five years or so. And then they announced another one, another one. Now, this one's not quite a theme park, but in Las Vegas, they are opening up a 365 all year round Halloween Horror Nights in Las Vegas. I did see Halloween, that. Yeah, their Halloween Horror Nights continue to be hugely successful in Orlando, hugely successful in Hollywood. They feel they can support that all year round in one of the biggest tourist destinations in the world. Oh, and not to mention, they just opened up a brand new experience at City Walk in Universal Orlando. It's an escape room experience based on Back to the Future or Jurassic Park, your choice. Oh, I need to go do that. Right? Okay. <laughs> First of all, besides the fact that one took a lot longer than the other one to say, which of those two brands excites you more about what's to come? 
I know it's tough, isn't it? It is very tough. Um, I mean, I know we have talked outside of the Super Mario world and all that, and I, you know, I'm a, an original Nintendo kid. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm 1980. I I went through Atari and Nintendo and Super Nintendo and. Um, I'm you not can't a gamer. Wait. You can't wait to meet Mario or Luigi or Princess Peach or Bowser or Toad. Yeah, I'm right? not a gamer, but that excites me. That does it, excite me. I, and it, I mean, they uh, are, they definitely have a lot more going on and coming up. And I think it is going, they are going to have a lot more excitement from the general public because, I mean, in just the few like groups I'm in and part of um, people are getting frustrated with Disney itself. Yes. I personally haven't been there in seven years. So all of the things that people are regular attendees or pass holders have seen for the last seven years. I haven't seen yet. I've not seen galaxy edge. I've not seen um, Pandora. I've not seen toy story land. I've not seen Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railroad. I've not seen any of that in person. So for me, I still would like, like Disney is still more attractive to me because Universal, aside from the Harry Potter and now Mario, like it doesn't, it doesn't have an appeal to me that much. And I think here, and here's where I think it's really important you going to Disney now, this year, next year, whenever you, you're able to get back there, that is going to be like going to Disney for the first time again for you because it's yeah. been so long and there's so much stuff there, right? So I, I want to jump into what Connor's theory is, though, and I want to hear what you're, you know, take yourself out of it for a minute, but put yourself in the shoes of maybe your niece and nephew or others uh, who have younger children even. So Connor's theory, which I thought was really, really good is that think about for a moment, you're a young family, you've got some young children, you know, four and five years old, six and seven years old, eight and nine years old, whatever. And they've grown up on these universal properties like the Minions, like Trolls, like um, there's a whole bunch of them out there. I'm escaping me on what all of them are, but all the Illumination properties that are out there. They've grown up on these along with the Disney ones as well. And you're a parent And you're making a decision about a family-friendly vacation of where you want to go five or six years from now, right? So it's five or six years from now. They've grown up. That park in in Dallas is open. They've got a couple of hotels. It's a a one-day park. Maybe they got a water park on property. I don't know. But it's basically a weekend experience. It's a Friday through Sunday or Thursday through Sunday experience. And you have a choice. You can go to this park where they've got all these rides that are family focused and it's going to cost you, you know, $2,500 or whatever it costs to go down there. Or you can go to Disney, right? Cause the park at the universal parks at, at Orlando, they're, they're more like, like teen focused, like 13 mm-hmm. and up. They're more adventurous, not quite for your family yet. Right. So you can go to the one in Dallas, Fort Worth, right. Or you can go to the one in Orlando at which the Disney the Disney Park in Orlando, but Disney is so overpriced. Yeah. Disney is five thousand dollars for the same experience, right? So you're like, you know, we can't afford that right now. Let's go to Universal Park and you have a blast. You've just become loyal to the Universal brand. I had a blast. So maybe we go again in a couple of years. But then in a few years, you then say, All right, the kids are old enough now. 
you know what? Let's not do Disney. You know, let's go to let's go to Orlando. Let's make it a bigger trip. I can go to Disney or I can do Universal, but we've been to Universal so many times. It's such a great experience. Let's go back to Universal, but we'll do it in Orlando this time. Yeah, I guess we could stop by 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 Disney, but why would we do that? It's so much more expensive. That's a whole week in itself. Let's just go to Universal. His theory is that by putting this Legoland type family-friendly experience in the middle of Dallas, Fort Worth, middle America. It's easier to get to if you're in the middle of America, you're Chicago, Michigan versus Orlando. It makes it easier for people to enjoy the Orlando, or sorry, the, the, not the Orlando, the Universal brand and become loyal to the Universal brand, which then starts to make them more loyal five years, 10 years down the line. What do you think about that? Do you think, do you think that could happen? I honestly do. And then, then you have these kids growing up who are more focused on the universal side of it than having the parents in that being, I mean, it's all about your influences in your nostalgia. Mm -hmm. So if they have great memories of growing up, going to universal parks, they're then going to be a second generation loyal universal family. So yeah, I can see it happening. Um, it makes me sad to think about it, but I mean, it is, it is pricey. And even since I went, uh, my first trip was, uh, I'm trying to do the math in my head. Maybe it was seven years ago. Maybe my last trip was five years ago. I don't know. No, no, no. It was because you went with us in 2017 and you went the year before. So I want to say your first trip was 2016. So that would have been seven years ago. You're right. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, my sister, the two kids, we did, I think we did eight or nine days, like for our vacation, like we were gone from home for 10 days, thinking of two days of travel, you know, yep, yep. we did pretty much cause we, we didn't know what we were doing. So we did a park every day. Essentially we, yep. we didn't really take a break, which was definitely not a good idea with children. Um, <laughs> Especially one that has a lot of sensory um, one, one of the things you learn. One of the things you'll learn by working with an authorized travel planner like Magical Memories by Casey. <laughs> <laughs> or just listening to this podcast. Take a break. Um, yeah, take a break. But how? Have, where did you stay? You stayed at where? Where did you stay at? We stayed at Coronado. So you were at Coronado Springs. So you were at a moderate level resort. You were there for nine-ish days. We, um and you did how many days at the at the Disney parks? Probably we did the full deluxe dining plan when they had it. So we were we were yeah. eating crazy amounts of food at crazy different restaurants and doing all of that. Um, I I don't know. I think for the four of us for that long, it it was maybe like seven or eight thousand dollars. It wasn't yeah, like no I mean, you... if you think about it, for a fully inclusive and that like includes your had... plane flights too. I think so. I don't, yeah, I don't there's, remember. There's, I was saying there's absolutely no way. There's no way that could happen now for a, for a, for a, a 10 day, nine night trip. You would figure one of those days was universal. So, you know, pull that out of it. So you probably had seven, you had, you probably had seven days at the Disney parks plus one universal day in there. And then all your, there's no way, there's no way I, I'd say a trip like that now easily would run you 11 or 12 grand yeah i mean i don't know the exact it, it was a long time ago but it wasn't nearly as much as it would cost you now and no. and i'm talking three meals a day two snacks per person like mm-hmm. 
these are painful. by the way, these are three sit down meals a day. Yes. Not not like one quick service and two, not two quick service and what these are three sit down like character. Like this is the true like I remember when you told me what you guys did and I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, all right." Yeah. We did <laughs> we did so many of the sit downs. We I mean, I think we had at least four or five character dining experiences. Yep. Now, it was, granted, I mean, it was had intense. An, you had an absolutely amazing experience and all the kids did and 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 there, again, being your first time you made errors and things like that now so here's my point and i think this is why i think this is an important conversation to have disney you are going to at some point reach a turning point matt and i have talked about it on this pod so many times i'm afraid you're there and you don't recognize it actually i do think bob Iger recognizes it i think the reason why bob Iger stepped back in after being asked was because he recognizes they're at a tipping point right now. Yeah. Universal is nipping at their heels. Now, do I think Universal will ever be the predominant entertainment theme park entertainment in the, in the country, in the world? Probably not, but they don't need to. They just need to be a, a, a persistent threat that slowly captures more and more of that market share. I think Disney has created a monster in Orlando that it doesn't know what to deal with anymore. It doesn't know how to handle it anymore. I think all of the programs that they put into place in the nineties and the early aughts and, and like, you know, of trying to get more and more traffic and more and more people loyal to their brand. I think it's worked and worked so well that now people have grown accustomed to it and they expect so much and disney just is failing to deliver on that on a lot of levels and again as a travel planner and as someone who's a huge disney fan they still do it better than anybody else but the level of where they once were and where universal is coming to they're about even and universal is starting to edge them out in certain areas at a better price yeah and I'm I'm thinking that Universal is sensing this and they're 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 making an offensive move right now. And and my question is, what is Disney going to do? Like they're building a ton of hotels, but their offerings inside the parks, like it if it takes them five years to build a roller coaster that is literally a carbon copy of one that was already in Shanghai when it takes Universal Studios to build a brand new land in three years? Like, what's up with that? Where's the math? Yeah, it's it seems like there is a lot of um, delays in their new projects. Now it's taking a lot longer. Um, just watching, like, the Imagineering and in, in that on Disney+, Plus, they used to be so much faster at completing projects than they have been recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's just because Disney is such a behemoth and it has to go through multiple departments, multiple approvals, uh, or maybe there was a sense of complacency there for a while of we're number one and so we don't have to worry about someone catching up. And again, if you're looking to go to Disney, there's nothing wrong with that. You're going to have an amazing time. I mean, I'm, I'm looking to get down there again this year, maybe twice. That's, that's the goal, right? But, but. All those things that you're hearing in your fan groups, Amy, the the stuff that's missing, that got stripped away, 
you know, simple things like Magical Express to and from the resort. Whoever made that decision and to just not keep that complimentary, it made no, it still to this day makes no sense to me why you want to find, want to find a convenient way to get your guests to and from your resort. Like that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Why you want to want to do that. Like it would be like if they essentially eliminated on-site transportation to their parks. Like right. that makes no sense to me whatsoever why they would make that call, you know, or, you know, when they started charging people to um, park on property, you know, like, again, why, why would you want to discourage people from parking on your parking and staying at your hotels when they can go elsewhere? Now they have since reversed that decision, right? Mm-hmm. I'm probably a little bit less sour on the Genie Plus cost thing. Um, I, to me, they're kind of following what is the industry standard in that regard. And they're doing it, I think, at a much cheaper price point than like Universal Studios does. That said, there are major flaws in the technology of Genie Plus and having to wait until the morning of to make your reservation versus make your first reservation as much as 60 days out if you want. I don't care. But like and then from there every two you know two hours but why make someone get up at 7 a.m when they're on a vacation boggles my mind right and it just makes no sense to me yeah i, I haven't i i don't know exactly how that system works per se because you know last time i was there it was fast, fast passes yes. and you yes. did it you did it 60 days in advance before you were booked at the resort so i remember texting um, you going all right we're doing this and we're doing this and we're doing this yeah. you know <laughs> Um, but yeah, I've seen a lot of people complaining, like, it doesn't make sense. Why, why make people wait till 7am the day of, like, if you're staying on a resort property, if you're staying in Disney, still do that 60 day prior, Yep. but cost, uh, the cost makes sense. Every other, every other part charges for that type of process. I mean, even Cedar Point or wherever else you're going, they have that as a fee. It's a, it's a perk. So that and, makes sense. And the other thing, the other thing that make the other thing that people gripe about is the park reservation system. And that's another thing that I'm on the record of saying that I actually don't have a problem with the park reservation system. And here's my theory on that. People for so long have griped about how full and how many people and how long the lines are at the parks, coupled with it's too expensive and they keep raising prices. And again, no one likes prices being raised. I completely agree. We just talked about that. But basically, prices being raised has been the way that Disney, until COVID, combated park capacity. Hey, we'll just keep rising, raising the prices up to price certain people out so that less people go to the park, but we're still making money, right? That That's kind of their philosophy, well, the thing is, and Matt and I have talked about this for, for years, people keep paying the price. So yep. if people are still willing to pay the price they're willing to pay, then guess what? They're going to keep raising the price until they find that tipping point. Well, then COVID comes along and they're basically told, if you're going to open back up, you have to operate at a capacity where people can always stand six feet apart. Well, when that happens, suddenly, whoosh, capacity goes down to, I think I heard some stories of 25, 30% or something along those lines. So you had to have a park pass reservation system, right? And what they find is that this helps them manage their staff better. They're able to make sure they know when certain people are going to be in certain parks. 
So, friends, listeners, people who are complaining about the Park Pass reservation system, this has also allowed them to be able to see when a certain park is going to be at capacity for a day so that they don't overbook the number of people going to that park, and it doesn't have to cost extra money to do it. So you can't have the best of both worlds. You can't say, well, I want less people in the parks, and I also want it to cost less, and I want it to not have a park pass reservation system. Like there's gotta be a way for them to manage capacity at some point. I think it makes sense. I've always thought it, it makes total sense why they're doing it. So it's again, one of those things that doesn't bother me, but for some reason bothers a lot of people. Yeah. Again, I haven't, I haven't had the experience of that process, but I mean, honestly, planning a Disney vacation for me, I plan which park I'm going to be at which day. Mm -hmm. So why not have that reservation at that park and know that that's where you're going because you already know you're planning on going there that day. Exactly. I it think for, I think a lot of people, it's the annual pass holders that get frustrated. The ones who are yeah. near the parks in Florida, but you know, if let's be honest, the, the, the parks in Florida are more tourist destinations than they are local destinations. Like, like the ones in, in California, you know? So we, you know, we need to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I need that, I need uh, magical memories by Casey to help me with that yes, uh, California yes. adventure. That California trip, uh, <laughs> it, it's it's pretty awesome. I gotta say, and they like I said they just they're opening up they're opening up Toontown. They got the Mickey Minnie's Runaway Railroad opening up, and it is a pretty cool park. Both of them are pretty cool parks. So, so I guess the future of the the the, the theme park landscape is. It, it, the more things change, the more things stay the same. Like that, like at the end of the day, I think here we are, Disney and Universal are still duking it out, but Universal's got a couple of great shots in right now. And Disney, I think they're knocked back on their heels a bit. I do. And no one ride, no one entertainment offering no one character meet and greet, no one dining option announcement is going to bring Disney kind of back on the offense. They've got to do something big. And it's got to be beyond the stuff that they've already announced. I think that's one of the reasons why people felt so frustrated about some of the announcements coming out of D23 was that it was basically just recycled announcements with a little bit of speculation about what could be, you know, they talked a little bit about what could be behind big thunder mountain in the future. Could it be a villain's land? Could it be a, um, an Encanto land Something like that? A villain's land would get me hardcore, man. <laughs> oh, I would, I would, Oh, I would die if yeah. they announced that like that is, that would be amazing. Well, they've been talking for years that, um, uh, uh, they've been talking for years that there could be a fifth gate that was a D Disney villains park, but Disney squashed that. And I don't, but then they've, they just filed their 10 year kind of like land lease kind of paperwork with Reedy Creek improvement district. And one of the things they put in there was that they have enough room for another theme park and two more water parks. Now, does that mean that they're going to build, another theme park i don't know there's a lot that goes into building a fifth gate i mean let's be honest and again there's a lot that can be done in the parks like hollywood studios they have finally gotten in my mind where it needs to be hollywood hollywood studios is my favorite park it is it is an amazing park 
and you're going to love it when you get a chance to visit it finally. I can't wait. I can't um, wait. And then, you know, Animal Kingdom's pretty good. It's not my favorite park, but it's it's definitely finally there. Epcot's a mess. Epcot is a mess right now. And, like, when I'm advising people on where to go during their trip, I'm like, if you're going to skip one park, skip Epcot right now. I know you want to go see Guardians. I get it. But it's a mess right now. It is just absolutely a disaster. Um, and the Magic Kingdom, I think, is is really good. Um, the thing with Magic Kingdom is they need some more thrill rides, so I'm really glad to see Tron will be finally entering that space here pretty soon. But anyway, again, Disney's back on its heels. They're not knocked out by by any stretch of the imagination. But if they're not careful, Universal is going to, again, they're not going to pass them, but they are going to eat, especially in the next five to ten years, if they're not careful, they're going to start to see some of that future generational traffic start to erode you know i don't i don't think someone like you will will be any less loyal to disney and i don't you know because you grew up with disney but you know what the idea of going to see super mario world intrigues you right and harry Harry potter intrigues you you know (laughs) harry potter intrigued you right so there is life outside of the ip of disney honestly if universal was more fluffy friendly I would have probably spent more time going there. That's one I enjoy I a go. good thrill ride. I enjoy a good roller coaster, mm-hmm. but they just don't have that capacity in their ride systems. We call that being poo bear friendly. Yeah. <laughs> being poo friendly. No, I'm with you. I, I, we've talked about that on the show before that, that universal unfortunately is not poo friendly in many, many ways. And you know, I'm over 300 pounds. So, you know, like there are certain rides that I can't ride. There's only one ride at Disney that I can't ride. And that is, you know, fly the passage and I have been able to ride it. And then now I can't, for some reason, it's really weird. I don't know. It has nothing to do with my belly. It has everything to do with my legs. My legs are too thick or something. So yeah, I, I don't know. But um, anyway, uh, anything else you want to add, Amy? Thanks for being on. No, but I, I really do agree with that theory that, you know, Disney really needs to kick it up or, there's they're gonna lose some future loyal loyalty yeah, and if they haven't already you know right i i mean actually i have a friend who lives here her her husband and her kids they actually have annual passes to disney they purchased them years ago mm-hmm. they make several trips down there and they have spent more time at universal recently with the mm-hmm. kids than they have at disney you can um, you can get a universal annual pass for almost half the cost of the Disney pass. Yeah, I think they have both of them. Oh yeah, I believe it. I but I'm waiting for the Disney pass to become available again because I do plan on investing in it myself. Um, I wasn't able to do it before they closed it out last time around. Um, just being a travel agent now, it's helpful to have that to be able to go whenever I need to go. But um, yeah, like but the universal passes are are like half the cost, right? Now I will say a two day trip to universal or a three day trip to universal with park to park admission as a supplement to a Disney trip is not the best idea in the world. I, when people tell me they're going down to Orlando and they want to do, they want to do Harry Potter world and Disney. And I'm like, you should probably pick one or the other and maybe save the other trip for next time you're down there because there's enough at both parks at this point that you can do both because i mean just a one day park to park ticket to both universal and islands of adventure 
is four hundred dollars or something like that. I mean, it, it's it, or three hundred dollars. It's something absolutely asinine. It's actually more expensive than a Disney ticket for a one day ticket. Seven years the, ago, it cost us an extra five hundred dollars to do it for one day for both. Of yeah, us. yeah, yeah. It, it's absolutely. It's absolutely insane. Now, the more you say, and if you stay on property, you get access to the express passes. Like if you stay at a deluxe universal property, you get express pass for free. So like, that's totally worth it. So I'm like, well, why not do that as a separate tricks trip, stay at a deluxe property, which is about the cost of a moderate property for Disney and get the deluxe pass while you're down there or the, the, the express pass. So you're able to skip the line versus staying on Disney property and just taking a trip over there. Two different experiences, right? So, you know, that's the kind of information you'll get from an authorized travel planner. But um, yeah, definitely. So anyway, Amy, thank you for being on. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed it. We'll yes. have to do it again. <laughs> so it is closing time. If you would like to get a hold of us, you can find us on Facebook, uh, Beers and Ears Podcast. You can find us find us on Twitter and Instagram at Beers Ears nineteen twenty eight. You can also find my travel planning page on Facebook at uh, just look for Magical Memories by Casey or Facebook.com slash Magical Casey. In fact, I am running a trivia contest right now. Uh, if you go to the page, look for the link for the trivia contest. Um, right now, the question is how many spires or um, Turquettes, I think is how they say it, but how many spires are there on Cinderella Castle in the Magic Kingdom? Um, if we get 100 responses, um, I'm giving away a $50 gift card via raffle. If we don't have, we have less than 100, it'll be a $25 uh, gift card to um, pick randomly from people who have the right answer. So um, definitely go to the Facebook page, fill out the form. And, and give us your answer and see if you know. I will say there are more wrong answers than there are right answers right now. So it is it is very interesting to see uh, who's given the right answers versus the wrong answers. But Did that I is on the right? face. I don't remember what you submitted. I got to look. Um, anyway, so yeah, take a look at that. We're going to run that probably through middle of February and, and see um, who responds. Um, and then uh, if you are interested in uh, booking a trip or talking about a Disney trip, I'd love to hear from you. Email me at CaseyWooley at MainStreetAndMoreTravel.com. Call me, 734-718-6024. I also take text. That's fine, too. And we can start planning. Um, it can be as little as $200 down to start planning your trip. So, okay. Uh, let's close the show up. Um, we'll raise our glasses, or in this case, my Polar Pop. And this episode has been on us. We'll see you again real soon. Bye, Amy. Bye. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast. Sorcerer.